Chucky gon' be there But you got to call, call him Even the soldiers need a break sometime Listen to the groove, y'all Let it unwind your mind No intoxication Let's see what I see Dancing hot and sweaty Right in front of me Oh, call it what you like I'm a woman I be This is just another one of God's people Musicology What up everybody, it's your boy Cousin Oz, the People's Mailman Back for another episode with Cousin Tony the Architect Well, 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 Prince Rogers Nelson, a.k.a. Prince, a.k.a. the Purple One, a.k.a. his royal badness, a.k.a. the high priest of pop, and last but not least, the artist formerly known as Prince. All of these monikers were used by his millions of adoring fans. Standing only five foot two, Prince was one of the baddest, sexiest, dripping with swag mother effers to walk this planet. A musical genius whose songs continue to move people today. But, but, but Oz, you're an MJ fan. Why are you talking about Prince? <laughs> well, just like the Jordan-LeBron goat debate, there is only one goat, but real recognize real. Prince was a bad man, and the rivalry sparked the greatest music of all time. The way Batman needed Joker, MJ needed Prince, and we as fans are grateful for it. Now join us as we go on a journey with a Prince fan who knows a thing or two about music, cars, and sneakers. Another bad mother effer, our boy Mr. Kevin Cormier, or as I like to say, Cormier. Ayo hey, Tone, take it away, cuz! All right, all right, Cousin Tone, it is Sunday morning, and not only that, it is the first Sunday of the NFL season. Bro, are you ready for some football? I am, so I'm kind of feeling a little bit excited and nervous at the same time. I don't know about you, but you know what? So I decided to calm my nerves a little bit and uh, basically get our card fixed and record this week's episode, but to make it even better... You know, we decided to uh, invite one of our good friends from the hobby. Uh, we like to call him Mr. Kevin Cormier. He goes by Mr. Kevin Cormier. But now I'd like to welcome him to the Cousins Collectibles podcast. Welcome, Kevin, to the first episode that you've ever been on of Cousins. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's funny about the name thing. Because the other night when when Tony called me out and said, I'm going to say his name right, I felt like I was in trouble. And someone was saying like my middle name too. And like the parents <laughs> coming at me. So like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> now I heard somebody on another episode. I'm trying to remember what it was, but they did call you Kevin Cormier. And I, it might have been Iowa Dave. I'm not sure who it was. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, if I were a good Canadian, that would be how you say it. Um, but yeah. I'm lapsed. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. So we say what we say. It is Cormier for now. So, man, listen, bro. I think the first time we met was at two years ago, right? At the last, uh, not this national, but the previous one. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, 2022 when you guys got off the big stage. Yeah, yeah. So you were there for the uh, the moment. That's when it, it all went down. That was, that was a big moment for the cousins. Uh, you know, Tony and I... <laughs> We were just fresh off the plane running onto the stage. And, you know, we we always talk about the huge crowd that we had. You were one of the five people that were there. So, I mean, I've my whole life, you know, gone to, you know, punk bands and hip hop artists before they got big. And so, you know, I'm going to go see a podcast before it gets big. Right. And so you yeah, I like to be there on the ground floor. And then when you start playing arenas that I can't get into, I'm like, you know what? I saw them back then. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at Mount, Mount Hobby right now. We're like right on the doorstep. <laughs> so, you know, you, you basically you were the impetus for that. You created all that. We appreciate that. Yo, Tony, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? All good, all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That once we blow up, that's when you create the "I hate these guys" channel. It's like, yeah, look <laughs> at these guys. They sold out. They used to be really good. Now they're just out here pumping just nonsense. So uh, I, I will say, you were also ahead of the curve because you gave me a T-shirt, but you only had XLs left, and now I actually like have to wear an XL. So you know, you know, you, you saw the future too. So I mean, it's it's amazing what you're able to nice. to wow. will into existence. It's nice. great. I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know if we have set you off on the wrong path or, or that's where you wanted to be. I don't know. So, um, I, I'll take I'll take it how it is. Um, so 
just you know, a little little conversation here, Kevin. You know, we're gonna guys like say we're gonna get away from that traditional interview, kind of just have some talking points and kind of just see see where the conversation goes. Um, there's a lot of noise in the hobby, you know, be it either online at a show, uh, within your inner circle and whatever it is. So, how do you have how, how do you navigate that hobby noise when you're building your collections? The thing is, is in it actually occurred to me this week that you almost can't. I mean, you're going to catch a stray, like regardless, even if you know as careful as you are, if you you know you're collecting in your little niche or whatever. And a perfect example is the the scam that we won't name. But one of the the side uh, sort of issues to that is you've got Migray, the authentication company in it. I have in this closet behind me three Migray game worn jerseys from the 2005 hockey season, but back then they had deals with the teams that you would, you would basically pre-buy the Jersey. Like I was watching it. So I have a Patrice Bergeron Jersey that he was wearing after I had already bought it. So I'm watching him play in a Jersey that I was going to get at the, the end of the season. And they're able to do all that sort of thing because they were a small company. They had the deals directly. Like there's no worry about like the photo match stuff, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with that because I know where it came from and I'm fine. But if you don't have that history with the company and you just hear that they're like rolled up in this scandal now, like if I go to try to sell one of these jerseys, that's now attached to it. And so, I, you know, I can't see that 17 years ago when I buy these jerseys, but, you know, this noise is going to affect it. Right. And so it's kind of one of those things you, you can minimize the damage, but there's always going to be some collateral damage out there. And, uh, you know, the, the it's, but again, I'm not, those are, aren't jerseys I plan on selling. They're all players that I have a connection to uh, for various reasons. But, you know, there's, you know, a few dozen to 100 people out there who bought jerseys to resell. And so now they're affected. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not in, big into the jersey thing. But the whole photo match thing, I, I just kind of started hearing that, you know, maybe about a year ago. But again, I'm not in that that realm, so I'm sure it's been around a long time. But I always was kind of skeptical of the photo match. And that's just me. I was like, oh, well, are you sure you're really, you know, and like what? And especially with the grainy foot photos and 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 uh, footage from back in the '80s and '90s, if you're trying to photo match a a Michael Jordan jersey. It's like, is that really a legit type thing? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that goes down, but it, it always kind of like, I was like, ah, that's kind of sketchy for me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, real quick, uh, Kevin, um, I was actually last night on eBay, just I put in game used uh, NFL, uh, game used jerseys, you know, as they come up. And there's tons on there. And you can see that some of these are straight up fake um, just by the price on it, the way it's described. Uh, but then there are there was one in particular. I think it was Tiki Barber, actually. I almost, I almost sent it to Rob, and it's it's up on on auction right now. And it has photo match, and it has all these things where you know it shows like a thread and it shows a mark and this and that. But there's nothing that stops anybody from taking those photos and making the jersey look like said photos. You know, like the thing has a black mark across the number. Okay, well he you know you can figure that out until it damn near matches that shit stuff. So. Um, with this whole thing going on, that the, the the credibility of authentication definitely comes in the uh, question. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's it, definitely like I wouldn't buy another one. Um, like, like I bought it through this one program years ago, and I'm cool with it. But like, and I have like a Gretzky stick that I got from the guy who used to run. He was the stick manager for the Edmonton Oilers in the '80s, and he's well known in that part of the hobby. As if you get a Joe Esposito stick, like it's legit. But that's kind of it. And there's been a couple of them where I bought a couple of sticks. I have a Cam Neely stick. And then I went to a signing to get it signed. And I just straight up asked him. I'm like, is this your stick? He goes, yep. I'm all right. <laughs> like, I, guess, I don't have a COA for it. But Cam yeah. Neely himself told me it's a stick. So it's good enough for me. Again, it's just sitting yeah. in the closet. It's not going to, you know, I'm not going to resell. Go, no, really? Cam Neely told me this was real. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that point imagine is... trying to pull that over. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get rid of my collection. Then you're trying to explain to another collector. No, I'm serious. I talked to him myself. I was there. Yeah, sure, buddy. Sure. It, it, it's With... man. When it when it comes to memorabilia and, and and things like that, and and trying to get the authenticity of it. Um, like right now, something something silly as a, I have a Funko Pop of Millie Bobby Brown that I ordered online. I paid a hundred bucks for it that she signed supposedly signed they didn't know that didn't have the coa with it they normally do so i just assumed it was a quick auction i was running through there was about a minute left my daughter wanted one and i seen it wasn't going for too much and i should have been a red flag people were probably scared away because there was no coa but i was like oh man millie bobby brown boom bought it got it for 100 bucks got it here 
all excited. And then I'm looking everywhere for the COA, not there. And then I'm like, damn, is this real? You have no idea. So it's a guy from Canada. And then uh, I go to look when I went down to Orlando. She didn't have anybody there that was doing any, you know, authenticity. So I got what I got signed as far as my uh, card that I got from Ken Carl. And then I had to go ahead and do the whole process and have it. P- I mean, PSA, they, they got it and right away sent it right back, authenticated. So there was no big issue with that. Um, but as far as that, that Funko Pop that's sitting back there, you know, to me it is. She signed it. But <laughs> if I were to go hell and go ahead and try to resell it, then it's like I got to try to make up a story as to, you know, was it really signed? Yeah. The it it's strange. Like it's weird. Cause like, all right, you, you say like you saw her sign it. I mean, you did, right. You're, you're Ken, and then there's no authentication. And I mean, even Kevin's uh, Cam Neely stick, you, you know, this is the real deal. Nobody will probably believe you, you know, but then you get some companies that do this stuff. I mean, they're human. They're going to screw up and then they authenticate the wrong thing, but then business continues as usual. I mean, this migrate stuff will go away by next week or so. I mean, maybe the people who are really, really into it will kind of lay off for a little bit, but it's not like, I mean, they pulled the certification anyway, so it's not no. like it's still out there and they know it's fake. So, um, I don't know. Any yeah, other, they, like, you know, stuff that you got? No, I was just saying, I just think, it, again, I think it's a case of, like, they had a, a business model of a smaller operation and they just got greedy, went bigger, and they just didn't have the they don't have the people and the expertise to actually like deal with it because, like I said, they were they're great in the hockey space. I I don't know what they do in the rest of the space, and so you know they maybe they just took a took a bite they couldn't quite chew. Yeah, I mean that goes back <clears throat> to the like the BBCE, the Baseball Card Exchange. Yeah, you know when they're authenticating these boxes as sealed, and then they had I I, I don't know if that was a made up fiasco or whatever with Paul like what. <laughs> What happened with the Pokemon cards that came out with the, the G.I. Joe inside? I don't know what that was. Um, but if it was real and somebody was able to go ahead and, and fake that whole thing and then BBCE went, went ahead and authenticated it as being a, a real sealed box. I mean, it's like, man, these are the experts, quote unquote. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Homeboy targeted them. I mean, I know he tried to get it authenticated through uh, PSA if then he then targeted them specifically with them maybe being a small company is like you know what if if they have credibility in the hockey space and i can get them to authenticate this you know slide that baby right on through and, and off we go so never know where that where that mind goes with uh that guy yeah. uh any any other noise out there though kevin that you're kind of besides things like that um that you kind of you know sift through when, when you're building no, I mean, I think it's it's a lot like you were talking about the other night on the, you know, when you go to a show and it's just like, you know, you get bombarded with the same mosaic stuff over and over and it's like, all right, you know, that's, that's cool if you like it, but you know, you know, I don't. And so where, where do I find the, the things that I like? And, and I think this year's national really kind of brought that forefront to me where I'm walking around trade nights going, I'm seeing all the same stuff. I don't want any of it. The stuff I have, nobody wants because it's, I don't have flippable stuff. I have end user collector stuff. And, you know, if that collector isn't there, then I'm just walking around with the box of cards. I didn't even take them out most of the time. I just, I just looked because I know you, you just look at some, what somebody's got and you're like, yeah, this, there's, there's not a deal to be made here. So, yeah. It's almost like you need a uh, 35 and over trade night. <laughs> I'm not even half no. joking with that. No. So if somebody, if somebody steals that idea, you heard it here first. Dude, you because, want to talk about uh, like insecurity when it comes to your collection and your cards? It's like go to a trade night, <laughs> show your cards and put them out. You're like looking around like nobody likes me. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's tough. And I'm sitting there and, you know, Craig puts out soccer players that I haven't even heard of, you know, except for like one or two. And people are like flocking like, ooh, soccer, you know. And I'm like, really? OK. I mean, I get it, but. But yep. even that's timing because, like, I had a lot of soccer and not, not much interest. So it's like he just happened to see the right people at the right time. Yeah. Or, you know, he's known, that's so people right knew here. to go to him, where I'm just soccer. some dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, uh, want to feel inferior? Want to feel like a loser? Come to our trade night. <laughs> and bring your collection. And bring your collection. Make sure you it happened to me. Personal collection. Yeah. It happened to me. I mean, I, I guess I was sitting there at a Philly show and I'm like, looking around and I'm like, man, these, these guys are just walking right by here. I was like, I think these cards are good. Like this Will Chamberlain rookie, no, no good. You know this Joe Montana on oh, card. Yeah, I, heard, I heard about Joe Montana. He's like, almost no as good? good as Joe Burrow. 
Yeah, yeah. The guy, you know, two, two, you know, things next to me. He's like, yeah, I'll take that Mitchell Trubisky. Like, okay, what, what's going on here? <laughs> and Tom, when you have your that, that thirty-five and over one, you got to make it like five p.m. to eight p.m. I mean, come on, we're, we these two a.m. trade nights and oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, hey, we us we left and had to go take a nap and come back. We we weren't rolling the whole time man, yeah. from eight to we're, whatever. We're thinking, you know, like Carmine just disappeared. He slipped away like around seven, eight o'clock, and then we're like, oh, okay, and then we all leave. And he's strolling back in at two in the morning, like, yeah, man. I'm like, what? You were gone for like all that time? He's like, yeah. I was like, wow. I'm going to be young again. Yeah. So we got to work on that 35 and over trade night from 5 to 8 p.m. There we Love go. It. All right. So the early bird special post- trade night. Your, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more you go, you're the better. Yeah. Yeah. Early, the early bird. There you go. The early bird special trade night. So, uh, uh, go ahead. I was asked uh, Kevin's uh, set building stuff. Yeah, I mean, so we're we're gonna go ahead and transition right into that. So, building off of that, you have a very unique collection, man. So, tell me what what gets your your blood boiling? What makes Kevin tick? I've seen some of your stuff. So, what what, what how would you describe your PC? Um, I mean, it's one of those things where my my PC is mine, right? And I. I you know, other people can describe it as they, as they see fit. Like, you know, to our conversation the other day, like I can't say that I have a unique collection, but you can say I have a unique collection because you, you know, you're comparing it to others. So I, to me, it's just what I do. Um, but first and foremost, there has to be some connective tissue in what I do, right? I like pairings, I like things, but I, I really do have grown to just appreciate the, the concept of an insert set. Um, and, so one of the ones, the main ones I'm working on is the 2001 Fleer nameplates patches. And when I got, so I'm in hobby, I call it hobby 3.0. I was, you know, as a kid, like everybody got back in about 2000 until about 2012. You know, when I was going for my grad degree, then I pulled back because I didn't really have as much money for cards or time because of, you know, studying stuff. Came back about 2019. Uh, but in the 20, in the 2000, 2001, one of the first boxes I opened up was Fleer Platinum Baseball. And the, they had um, the rack packs, and that's why that's why I bought it. I was like, I remember rack packs; like those were awesome. Um, and the rack pack box, each box had a, a patch card that looked like a license plate um, from the the nameplate of a, of a, a player jersey. And I was like, this is so cool. Um, and then yeah, I would see them over the years, and then you know, I was like, oh yeah, I remember those. And then so when I got back in a couple of years ago, I'm just on eBay, and I found a Manny Ramirez for like fifteen bucks. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this again. And then that got me into like going to trading card database, looking up the checklist. I'm like, I think I could put the set together. There's a couple tough ones, but I think I can, I could do this. And then I remembered, Hey, wait, there's a, there was a football one too. And I was like, Oh, there's a basketball one too. So there wasn't a hockey one. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and build all three of them. Um, around halfway of all of them. Cause yeah, I mean, you know, they're 22 year old cards. They, yeah. they don't, they, these are, these are not the cards that show up in cases. Um, I found one at the national. Um, which was awesome. But uh, yeah, so, you know, they, they pop up every once in a while for, you know, 30 to 50 bucks, you know, some, and they're all, the baseball ones are numbered weirdly. Like there's four Cal Ripkins, each with different serials. Like one's like to 19, one's to 21, but then one's to a hundred. It's like, mm. okay. Like, why don't you just make one Cal Ripken that's numbered to one seven <laughs> instead of making four of them and making my life hell. But, um, but th- th- that's kind of fun. And then the, the football ones don't really show up a lot, especially for the, um, like the obscure players, like I've never seen like a Brian Greasy or a Kevin Johnson. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if they exist, but they're on the checklist. And then I'm four away from the basketball. That was that was a smaller, uh, but those weren't numbered. Uh, the the print runs are are printed. They're published. You can get them through like Beckett, but like um, the cards themselves, only the baseball ones were actually numbered. Okay, hmm. I wonder why they did that. That's interesting. So, do you have in baseball? Do you have a preference as to like the serial number? Or you're just snagging whatever you can get uh for those i know whatever i can find at this point um and i'm trying to get i mean I'm, it, but i'm trying to get like all four ripkins and both tony wins and both you know I, I do want all of them um because it was a second manual ramirez and i picked that one up too um so to me the set complete is all of them with one of each of the numbered ones so yeah so the, the complete set will have four cal ripkins i think it's yeah it's two tony wins two nolan ryan's two manny's a couple other people that are doubled up are you uh, doing a binder gang there? You got it in a binder. How are you displaying that? Them, no. Uh, it's just they're, they're thick. Um, so they're just top loaders. Um, I do have a handful of binders behind me for some of the other stuff I'm doing, but um, just like random insert sets. Uh, 
that are just one-offs like the um the skybox the soul of the game i, mm-hmm. I finished the uh, the baseball one um it's one of those where that's the era where like I'd like to do the basketball one, but the Jordan's there, so it's like you know it's like <laughs> all right, I can get a PSA three and you know be okay with it, but uh, the rest of it's like yeah, I mean get get every other card for like you know under seventy bucks, but then the one's yeah. gonna cost me nine hundred. So. Right, <laughs> I hear you, man. <laughs> Is there a when, when you're digging for for like the nameplate ones like you said they're they're not in a case, so when you're at a show like at the national, any how do you approach are you just asking the dealers or you're just digging through all the boxes how, how do you it depends it, it if because you you can i mean cards like that um you can generally tell by the rest of the dealer's inventory if they even have anything from that era right if mm-hmm. I, I start going through you know there'll be boxes of like you know relic cards and you look through them like okay all of this stuff is from the last two years like they don't have 20 year old Fleer cards in here so i'm done but then you can look through and go, okay, there's a couple of like, you know, mid 2000s Donruss cards. Like, okay, so this now where it's a possibility. And then I might just say, okay, you know, and then I'll just show them on the you because they stand out so much. I mean, they're, they're, they're a pretty unique set. So you can generally show some of those deals. Do you have any of these? They say no. And that, or yeah. most of the time it's, oh, I think I might have one back in the storage unit. Okay, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Talk to me about that 1956 Hall of Fame set, Tops. Yeah, so that was um, again. You know, we we everyone talks about their evolution in the hobby, and so uh, when I was you know in the early two thousands, I was in prospect gang too, like big Bowman Chrome draft buyer. Um, just and again, it's it's kind of back to the thing that we were talking about before about you know getting in early and all that stuff. I just like that, right? It's not it's not really even about like making a ton of money prospecting. It's just it's the it's the being right. It's like I picked that guy yeah. or that woman. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I was doing a lot of that. So when I came back in, I was like, well, you know, I'll do this again. I was like, oh, this isn't actually any fun. So um, this guy that I used to collect with uh, the, in the in the 2000s, a friend of mine who I went to college with and we worked together at the record store, um, he was putting together, I remember back in the day, the 56 Dodgers set. Uh, he's a big Brooklyn Dodgers guy. So w- one of the first cards I bought brought when um, I was uh, – kind of deciding what my new direction was going to be was the Kofax. Cause I was like, you know, I remember seeing that card a lot. Like that's dope. I want to, I want a 56 Kofax. And then it turned into, all right, you know, I can get a couple of the other big names. So I got the Jackie, I got the maze. And then when I got my doctorate, my parents gave me the Ted Williams as a gift. Nice. And then it turned into, why don't I just get all the hall of famers? Um, and so that turned into a run and it ended with, the mantle. I know you're chasing the mantle, Tony. I got it. I got it at national. I got it an altered erased copy. This guy I saw who he had submitted it at the national. It was a beautiful card. It's a little off center. Um, but the, I mean, corners are nice colors, nice and rich. Mm-hmm. And it said authentic on it. And I was listening to tell another dealer. This was on the Friday. And he's like, yeah, he goes, apparently it was, at, it was SGC um, that in the, it was off center top or, I guess top bottom when you're looking at it horizontally. Um, So across the top, it had a little bit of white. And apparently there was some pencil on there at some point that got erased. But it wasn't like a – there wasn't an indentation or anything. Like you couldn't see it. Like I've – and, he, and you could tell the guy was like super disappointed. Like I thought this was going to do better. Like, you know, I had no idea. So I was like, all right, let me – you know. And Tony, as you know, most of the 56 males that show were stupidly priced. Um, (laughs) So I I had like basically given up on that. Like, um, so I went and thought about it. And then I had in my case, I, I had this 57 maze that I bought a while ago, which was a, it was a PSA five. It had a little, it was like snowy, but it was beautifully centered. Like, and I, I had put it out at shows for like months and people would look at it and go, I have no idea why this is only a five and, but no one would buy it. Um, yeah, buy so it. I, I brought it. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So I, so I had a little note on it cause I, you know, I'd comped out that I had done prices for trade nights and the, the note I had on the maze was I'm only trading this towards a 56 mantle. Like if you don't have one, like don't, don't ask about this. Guy. So I was like, well, you know what? Uh, and and I, I don't. I generally like. I'm one of those people. I don't haggle a whole lot at the tables. I'm not. You know, it's that's your price. Okay. You know, either I want it or I don't. Like, but the the problem is when I set up. Like, I'd rather people would just not haggle with me. But you know, it's part of the game. Um, and so I, I was like, you know what? So Saturday morning, first thing, I, I go over there, and and I was like, hey, you can see the man. I look at it in hand again. I and he starts to tell me the story again, and I cannot see what's wrong with this card. 
Um, so I said, well, hey, I said, you know, looking at he's a vintage guy. He's got a lot. I said, I don't know if you'd be interested in, you know, partial trade, partial cash. I get this, this 57 A's. He looks at it, you know, threw a couple hundred bucks on it. And you know, that was it. That was the, uh, that was the final piece. So now I just sent off yesterday, actually. I had, so I decided I want them all to match. Um, I have most of them in SGCs. So I sent 10 of oh, them really? to, because they just look so nice in those slabs with the with the matting around it. Like it's just it looks like yeah. art. Um, sure. So I, I took ten of my PSAs, sent them off to cross them over. The one I'm not going to is the Ted Williams because that was a gift. So I'm just going to go buy another Ted Williams okay. for the set and yeah. then keep my my gift Ted Williams like sure. separately. Yeah, I like, like them apples, bro. Oh, I love it. The fact that <laughs> I mean, I love that he's you know going to match have them all matching. I don't care what they are when they all yeah, match. Yeah, you know? yeah. Told you that there's, you know, you 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 sit there on your little throne up there as, as you're you know looking down on people's <laughs> crappy collections and you and you. Yeah. There's nothing Where, wrong. Where's that coming from? I do not. Oh, I, do listen, not. You're, you're I have the crappiest collection out there, you're bro. On, <laughs> you're on. You're on record. Uh, <laughs> and you have uh, your your newest project. Talk to us about that a little bit because um, it's pretty interesting. So the 56 was more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Cause I'm like, I can pick up like Robin Roberts and Bob Feller cheap. And it's like, yeah. no, not really actually. No. Um, right. So I was like, but I liked the chase. I really liked the idea of it. And so I started going through other sets that meant something or, or that I liked the aesthetics of, and I haven't had a couple other ones picked up, but I was like, I'm tapped from the 56. Like I, you know, and it's not the only thing I collect. I've got other things too. So I, um, you know, I, I'm turning 49 in a couple months. So, 1982 i was seven and that's the first year i really bought a lot of packs like i remember going to the convenience store and getting the, both the cards and like the sticker album um which to this day i've never owned the 1982 top sticker tony armis which would have completed that that uh <laughs> the, the the booklet but it, anyway um but i love the 82 tops it's that that's my my uh kind of nostalgia set there um so i was like you know what i'm gonna do it the, the 82 tops and there's a different set of hall of famers there's there's no crossover um so it's a bunch of different guys and so i just started that last week started with my favorite card in the set the ricky um it was 20 bucks i got harold baines in the mail yesterday that was six dollars i have tom Seaver coming it was five dollars and fifty cents like wow. it's going to be much easier the <laughs> the one that's going to be interesting so i looked at the pop reports because everyone's like oh it's the ripkin but the ripkin has a pop of like fifteen thousand. like it's wow. like the ripkin's going to be super easy to get they're like they're 40 bucks all day but the one that's going to be the challenge, I think, is Tony Perez. And because I'm getting them all in PSA 8, you know, you're collecting. Yeah, that's what I, I was about to say. Yeah. There, there's something that is not just, yeah. yeah, there's a certain way you're doing it. Right. Yeah. The, you know, that whole idea of the collector grade is the 80s. So the PSA 8s. Yeah. And you can find some really, really nice 8s. Obviously, pretty cheap. Tony Perez is a pop 19 in the PSA 8, but that's a pop 60 PSA 9 and a pop 50 PSA 10. So I have no idea why the Tony Perez cards all came out so great, um, <laughs> but that's going to be the mm. challenge, I guess. Or I'm just going to buy a bunch of Tony Perez cards and submit them all until I get an 8 because uh, you can yeah. get them for they'll be in dime boxes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I, I like the way you're going about that. Like I said, like you're building sets, but it's just not your traditional set building. It's kind of either the inserts or within a set, you're, you're making your own little mini, mini ones. Uh, before I turn it over to the residential musical expert here, I'll ask you about some sneakers. Because, uh, you know, in addition to cards, and I said, I'll, I'll save the music for the uh, singer over here. Um, sneakers, man, talk to me about what, what you do there and, and how it either either mirrors or is it completely different from the card game? So just talk to me about that. Uh, yeah. So I was big into sneakers for a while. Uh, I mean, was, I always loved them as a kid, you know, was, you know, always kept up on, you know, who was wearing what. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, to this, you know, I remember getting my first pair of the, the Bo Jackson trainers in 1990 and thinking it was the greatest thing in the world. Um, so I, you know, like a lot of things, you know, I got out of it for a while. And back in when I started teaching in 2006, um, I was, scrolling through something and there was an ad for the air jordan 5 metallic blacks and i was like i i remember these like and i never got them because i like i got a, my job i was able to buy the air jordan sixes i was one of the fives but i didn't have a job at the time and no one was buying them for me um so it was, it was you know it's, it's like cards it's like all right i'm gonna buy the sneakers that i never had and it just kind of went from there um but 
Yeah, it, it, but then it came to a point where you know between you know I was I was running for a while, so I was flying around to do races. Um, again, I was in grad school. I'm a teacher, so I don't make that much money. So so sort of you know decisions had to be made. So I've actually the last couple of years like pared down a lot of the sneaker collection. I think I'm, I, at my peak, I was near 300 pairs. I'm like probably half that now. Um, but the one I one of I've, I've kept in and this will actually be uh, relevant is back. Uh, mid in the 2010s, there was a store, a skate shop in Cincinnati called Unheard of, mm-hmm. and they were. I want to say 2015. I should have. I should have researched this. Um, I think it was for the 25th anniversary of the 1990 World Series between the the Reds and the A's. They put out two Nike SB Dunks, one for the Reds. They called it the Nasty Boys, and then one for yeah. the A's. Um, and so they put them out. Um, like in, in general, but in their store, they came up with a special packaging that looked like the 1990 oh. tops, the uh, actual box. Yeah. And then there's the, the, that's the, that's the reds version. The A's version um, is in a Fleer box. Um, so I was, do, I was in the, this, this sneaker group at a time that we had helped out this store. Um, and so I, I just texted the guy and I was like, can, can I just buy two of those? Obviously like, I obviously I'm not going to Cincinnati uh, right. to buy them. And he's like, yeah, I got you. And then so I just paid him. And a couple of days later, they show up. And then I ended up buying the pairs to wear, like in the regular boxes. But yeah. I have the, the two baseball card boxes sitting in my closet. Those are that's that's a fire box, man. You guys will see that uh, we put it on YouTube. But yeah, that, that's really cool, man. Yeah, the, the whole I mean, the sneaker thing is is insane. Now, would you wear some heat when you're uh, when you were teaching the kids to get them all fired up? Yeah, so you know, I was a you know Monday through Thursday shirt and tie guy, uh, but then you know yeah. casual Fridays you get to you know break a couple necks. But then the year, uh, so what, my last year teaching was twenty. So I'm in, I'm in a central office role now, so I still work uh-huh. in in education, but I'm not in a classroom. Um, it was the uh, post COVID year 2021, um, and you know we had to wear masks, and I'm like I, I just didn't feel right wearing a mask and a shirt and a tie. Like, I just didn't like it. It, it, you know, we're trying to get the kids back and feel good and feel right. comfortable. And I'm like, I just, I didn't like the image that projected. So I, I went um, the year without wearing a tie and I'm like, well, you know, I just wear sneakers every day. I mean, my, my principal loves me. She's not going to say anything. Um, so I did. So I wore, and I have, if you scroll far enough back on the Instagram, you can see 180 different pairs for 180 days. Nice. Um, just to, just to do it, I guess. Um, the problem is, is like some of those, like were, uh, you know, I undead stock them for the one wear, and it's like, oh, when I resold them, it's like if I didn't wear this, it probably was, you know, twice what I just got for them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah, how, the, how does that I'm, work, man? I, I, you know, I'm not a sneakerhead, so obviously, if you don't wear them, they're going to be worth more. But yeah. like, if you were to wear them one time and yeah. there was no creases or anything, like, how does that drop in value then? Yeah, it you know it depends on the sneaker, depends on the availability. Um, I, I know people who, well, I don't know them personally. I know of people because I wouldn't roll with these people who just like literally like in, in, in your true Instagram stunting will like put them on their feet, but not lace them and lay down. So the soles never hit the ground, take this weird, like side angle picture, put them back in the box and say, you know, dead stock. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, let's, uh, but you know, I mean, to me, they're meant to be worn. I have a couple that I haven't worn. I have a couple that I haven't worn yet um, that I w- fully intend on wearing. I have two or three pairs that I, that are rare enough that I, I, I won't wear them, but everything else, like it goes to be, but for some sneakers, like I got, I bought a pair of sneakers that like new, they're like three grand if you can find them now, cause they're, they're, they're so old. And I found a, a pretty decently looking, you know, Worn pair, then I I hit the uh, my Super Bowl squares a couple of years ago, the one a thousand bucks. So I just spend them on you know just bought the sneakers, yeah. so there's free to me. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, easy money right there. Yeah. Um, so so what would you say is your your favorite pair? My favorite pair to look at are the white cement Air Jordan fours. I still think those are perfect sneakers, um, but they're not that comfortable. Um, but my favorite pair of my collection. So this this group I was in uh, was so back in 2012. Nike released a shoe called the the Roshi Run, and I was on a, the Nike Talk message boards at the time. It's, it was a super simple shoe. It was 70 bucks. Like it was very minimal, and it was only available at like boutiques. Like they weren't at Foot Locker, Finish Line, any of that stuff. Um, so a couple of us, you know, bought a pair. And there were there were seven total colorways. One was Australia only. One was Asia only. So five were available in the U.S. But they were only, like I said, available at these small stores. And so this was like those stores like unheard of, like would sell them. So 
you know, we bought a couple of them. Like, man, these are really comfortable. Like, they're you know, they're, they weren't reselling. Like, they're cheap. And then they immediately, like, within a month, went to like Nordstrom Rack for like fifty bucks. And like, so then what we started to do was uh, there were a group of us who started this sort of network to help other people find them. So you'd go on and say, you know, because we all live, we were, we were from around the country. There's a couple of us here in New England, you know, a couple in California, one in Atlanta, one in Toronto. And we'd be like, oh, I was at this, this shop. They got them like, if so, and they do, you know, mail order. So call them up. And so we, we started doing that and they started to gain some popularity to the point where Nike pulled them out of Nordstrom rack and started to make them again. And eventually ended up in the finish lines and the footlockers of the world. And so as a thank you, they invited, there were eight of us. We, you know, this, and on the, on these uh, Nike talk boards, there was always like team, whatever, like team air max or team, whatever. Uh-huh. So we, we made team Roshi just to be funny. Um, but there were like eight of us and Nike invited us out to the campus in Oregon um, to sit down and talk to us about like, you know, what we did. We had like 350,000 Instagram followers at the time. Like it was crazy uh-huh. and it not bought followers. Like we legitimately, it's like, it is crazy. We would just like, look at, open up the app and be like, seriously, like we had a hundred, we were like, why are a hundred people following us? Or why are a thousand people following us? And it was like, uh-huh. why are 350,000 people following us? We're not that good. <laughs> like, but you know, it works. So we got out there and what they did. Uh, so we met the guy who created it. Um, and he's super cool. His name is Dylan Rash. And we, you know, talked with some of their executives and all this stuff. And at the end, they presented us with a, uh, a version that they made just for us. There's 15 of these in the world. Uh, and so they made them for their team and they made them for the eight of us. And so I have it, uh, it's buried up there. Um, but to have it in a, you know, like a Lucite case, it's autographed, like, like those are cool. Like that's my favorite pair because of everything that went into it, the story that, that went into create them. And the fact that like, you know, I, I've like, cause kids always say, you know, oh, what are they worth? Like, I don't know. No one's ever sold one. And I don't think anyone ever would. Um, but to me, like there's, there's nothing you could give me to, to take them from. Yeah. Wow. I know. Uh, yeah. Roshi was big in my house. I mean, pff, each of us had multiple pairs because mm-hmm. they were, you know, they were priced and they weren't too expensive and really cool shoe weren't too good in the rain but no terrible in the rain <laughs> <laughs> um, that's besides the point uh but um records talk to me a little well you know i'll let, let you uh i mean because i was you know he's pretty knowledgeable when it comes to that but you uh you, you take it to a whole nother level i mean you have i mean we'll plug the show now you have a, it's called you must learn mm-hmm. and um just well talk to us about records and then we'll get into the show a little bit after that but I mean, that's, that's my longest lasting sort of love and collection. Um, it's because, you know, the, the sneakers, a lot of them are retro. I didn't get them the first time they were getting them now. Right. The, the cards, again, a lot of them I'm buying after the fact, like I don't have my childhood collection. It's gone. It's, you know, so I'm, I'm rebuying things, but the records are my records. Like, and I've had them since I was a kid. I've been buying them all along. It's the one thing I've never gotten out of. There, there hasn't been a, a phase of, of me buying records. Um, and there's, there's just so many memories to either times in my life, you know, like I don't have any cards tattooed on me, but I have records tattooed on me because they mean things from, from different things. So, so that's definitely like my, my it, and it's, but again, it's, it's mine, right? I mean, people will go through my record collection and not know 70% of what they're seeing. And every once in a while, like, Oh, that one's cool. You know, because they, it, but to me, it's like, Oh yeah. The other one that you don't know about is like, I bought this at a show like from the band in 1998, you know, gotcha. talk to the singer, like all those sorts of things. And I don't have that collect connection with sneakers or cards really like that's, so that's where that comes in. Fair enough. Does, is there, when you're picking up these, these records, does art art or anything come into play or is it strictly first about the music and then, the other stuff i mean because those are kind of pieces of art when they, they are yeah I and mean, i do have i have some signed ones that are hanging up in, in the hallway um and if i get them signed it's like again because they look nice i know they'll look nice hanging up or because that that record means something or just because one day someone called and said you want to go meet lionel richie and i said hell yeah i want to meet lionel richie um so i have a signed lionel richie record <laughs> like why who he's hilarious by the way um but yeah it's in i i mostly i mean like a lot of people i mean, I, I stream a lot too um but I'm really big on like the music industry has changed so much that if I can buy something directly from an artist and help support them and their dream and their, and you know, uh-huh. I'll do that. Right. it's like, yeah, you can buy from record. And I used to work in a record stores. So I know the value of record stores, but you know, and there's that's whole, whole ecosystem. But if I can go on like Bandcamp and I just know that this artist is going to get a hundred percent of what I just sent them, like that's the most important thing to me. Like, am I able to do that? Gotcha. 
Mm. MC Hammer style out the back of the trunk. (laughs) Talk to me about this uh, podcast, man. You must learn, you know, I I believe, you know what I mean? Like hip hop and like the golden era of, of, of that, like what's your motivation for that? Has that always been your type of music? I'm pretty sure you got a wide variety of listening, but um, why hip hop? Yeah. I mean, so when I was, uh, you know, elementary school, second, third grade, I used to go to, uh, roller kingdom a lot and uh i remember the first time that they cleared all the roller skaters off the floor and it was time for break dancing and i which i cannot do but i seriously appreciate like i was i just watched this and i was like this is insane and then you know the you know the music that was with it and you know i remember nucleus and all that stuff and i was like all right like i can get with this like and um then i just kind of kept an eye on it and i i i've said this in the past i wish i knew who the saturday morning dj at roller kingdom was because his his uh taste was insane i learned so much about music from the roller rink because it wasn't just top 40 stuff like it's the first time i heard the clash it's the first time i heard you know uh, so it's the first time i heard hip hop whatever so that that stuck with me um and when i got to like middle school and started reading like um you know skate mags whatever and that's when like that that sort of outsiders version of like melding punk and hip-hop came in and so i get that way and then that you know then i learned about the source i learned about umtv raps like i start to i i I grew up in the you know in the most suburban of massachusetts like i'm not at all exposed to um hip-hop organically like so many people have been i'm definitely like a student after the fact um you know, get through high school. And then I go to college in the uh, other hip hop hotbed of um, Eastern New Hampshire. And um, one night um, listening to out there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> these, <laughs> these streets, these farms. Um, so yeah, I went to the university of New Hampshire, and, but this is what ends up being interesting is so my freshman year, I'm in the dorm and I'm listening to the college radio station, which isn't very good um, at the time. And I'm listening to their hip hop show and it's terrible. <laughs> like it's just bad. That wasn't, and that wasn't Rob's, was it? No. <laughs> no. Okay. So I, uh, I was like, I can do better than this, right? I mean, it got to be. And so at the time, um, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, "Pump Up the Volume" was yes. out, the Christian Slater movie, and I, I love that movie. It's like a super influential movie on me. So I was like, okay, so he's kind of this this DJ because I don't, you know, I'm kind of same way. Like I don't talk to anybody in class. I'm not that personable, but like get me behind a mic when no one can see me, and it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, maybe I could do this. So I go take their training courses to go be a DJ. And I find out that the, that the woman who was doing the, the hip hop show only did it to like impress like some other guy at the station. Like she wasn't even like into it like that. So I was like, all right, it's like, I can do better than this. So summer comes, comes back sophomore year. I go to go apply for it and she's gone. And there's this guy, Brian, who's there. And I'm like, Oh man, like all right, I lost my chance, but you know, Brian was already at the station. So, so I, I was like, Hey, can you mind if I just like sit in and just hang out? And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And we end up putting together this unbelievable show um, to the point where like, it was like, there were like the labels around the country were like, how are you in New Hampshire? And like, know this much about hip hop. Like, like we were just blowing stereotypes away. Um, so we, had, we call it mothership connection. We had a great time for a couple of years. And then my senior year, he had graduated. So I took over, I was a hip hop director. And, but this, so my, so this, you must learn show was really like that 93 to 96 year of me being on college radio, just like reliving that because i that's that's my favorite time in hip-hop and, and there's there's always that thing like whoever you listen to when you're 18 will always be your favorite artist sort of mm-hmm. you know part to it but it was emerging in such a way that there were so many shifts and you can watch like the styles change even from like the you know you know you said the mc hammer like that 90 91 like everything's about that up tempo right. dance like yeah. to i always call it the post onyx era where everything got a little grimier a little grittier yeah. and um so like that whole transition was super fascinating. Understanding how like label politics was f- super fascinating. Um, so that's always stuck with me. And I ended up working at a record store for a decade and all this stuff and, and, you know, staying with it, but I do always go back to like that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, p- there's always like the, you know, you see the lists of the big things like the mob deeps and the Nazis of the world. There's like, there was so much other stuff out there that people didn't hear if you weren't like it's not like now where it would show up on a TikTok or whatever like that. Like right. you had to find it. Yeah. Like we found records by like looking at the liner notes and see who these people thanked and then go listen to them. Right. Because that's how you, that's how you did it. Yeah. Like, Oh, these people think this is cool. Yeah, I'm going to check this out. And then like all of a sudden now I know who Lord Finesse is. Like I didn't, you know, um, 
so that time it, it'll never be replicated because there's too much out there but at least the music from it i can go you know what you definitely missed this but it's dope and you should hear it and i'll you know it's kind of like spoonful of sugar i'll give you some things you've heard but then i'm going to pair them with some things you haven't and then try and you know keep it just, just yeah. kind of keep that in sense you must learn you, you here's some other stuff that you just you didn't hear love that love that now that's that's one thing i'm i'm not gonna you know sit here and say i'm a you know i'm a hip-hop head and i can tell you you know these rare obscure uh rappers because i you know i, I listen to hip-hop i was my brother was a dj and i break danced back in the day did all that you could say i was immersed in the uh the hip-hop culture but there's like you said there's an underground that i i never really just i was just like oh, you know i'm good with where i'm at i don't have to go dive right. deep but you know there's these whole you know things that that dudes would just be you know they would floss be like oh you don't know you, you know you're not cool to this you ain't hip to this you don't know what this is yeah, like, you're right, right i don't but <laughs> i'm sure it's cool um but then you know years later you're like wow you know and like you said that's pretty cool like the guys that became famous because a lot of it is politics and who was able to who you know and and then they don't know those people were able to get record deals but a lot of the good artists never made it big you know, so it, you got to pay homage to those people that that inspired the ones that did make it. Very true. Uh, real quick. F. Mary Kill. Cards, records, sneakers. Oh, I keep the records. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> it, it, from, from both. Like we talk about the, even the nostalgia, but like also if, even if I'm talking like value wise, like my records are worth more than my cards and my sneakers combined. So, you know, it's. <laughs> It'd be it'd be stupid to kill those. <laughs> yeah. So marrying the records, and then you got yeah. So I'd probably I guess I'd kill the sneakers because there's always more, right? I can always start over. Um okay. and so that leaves yeah, the, the fling with the cards, I guess. There you go. That's all right. <laughs> at your mistress. There you go. I, I think that's a, yeah, I mean that's a lot of ours. So <laughs> um so uh dude, this was fun, man. This was fun. I said, yeah. I, I knew we, I mean, and we were only scratched the surface, man. Like I said, uh, and uh, real quick with the, with the show, you must learn, just tell everybody when you drop it, where, where it's at and all that good stuff. Yeah. So it's, um, it's on Mixcloud, but if you, it's, there's a link in my bio, it's at Kevin M. Gorman. There's also uh, you must learn show with the underscores in between. Um, I drop it the first and third Fridays of the month. And then even like September was the fifth Friday, you'll get a fifth, you're going to get another episode. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's like, it's, I don't really have the time to do it weekly, but doing it every other week is, is and, and you know, it's, it's kind of like set collecting. There's a theme every, every week. Like there's something that's connecting everything that I'm playing. Um, so like the, so I, I, uh, in the spirit of back to school and our new sense of cooperative learning, um, the, the first episode of September was uh, all tracks with, with three rappers on them. And then coming up will be just full blown posse cuts. And then the third episode will be about remixes from outside the crew. Um, you know, just the, the idea of like everything is about building with somebody else and getting alternate perspectives, you know, and which is again, again, tying it back to the hobby. It's like, it's one of the great things about talking with, with some people in cards. It's like, Oh, I didn't know that. Or I didn't, you know, I've never seen this card before. Tell me about this set. And, you know, people being able to bring their, it's, it's, it's a, you're a better collector when you hear other voices even if you don't necessarily go fully with that that mindset like it, you get something from it right so uh, same with the music right it's, you know three guys or women will be in a room writing and you know you're gonna hear somebody else's idea I, the 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 classic story about tribe call quest scenario with with uh, leaders of new school how they rewrote their rhymes after hearing everybody else because like oh i gotta beat that oh i gotta beat that and it was just turned into like a battle like in the studio yeah. like to the point where they were fighting like like that's i mean we don't want fighting in the car and at a card show because right. somebody else liked you know that don't no it's status is better than essential essential credentials okay we're not doing that right we're all nerds we're not fighting yeah. um it's but, like that one thing you go ahead you, you write a lyric you know what i mean you write your verses down boom you get you write your bars you go into the the studio and you, you start hearing these other dudes you're like oh shit i gotta come yeah. correct yo yeah. this, this is not good enough yeah we got an eraser we got <laughs> yeah the other day i saw on instagram which i don't i don't i mean i'm i don't really get down too much with the new music uh at all i'm gonna sound like the guy on the porch it all sounds the same to me um i argue i argue with that with my son all the time and but uh i saw the other day the uh, idea of a cypher like there was actually uh it was big pun dmx uh 
most deaf, a bunch of guys sitting at a table in a restaurant or something. Yeah. I don't know where they were at. And they're just dropping, you know, bars, boom, boom, one after another, after another. I showed it to my son. I said, you see this? He goes, yeah, what's that? And, you know, it's right away. He's like all skeptical. I said, just listen, just, just, just because it doesn't sound like not, they all don't have that same cadence. Just listen. They listen to it. I said, you don't see your boys all. I said, I've never seen that. I don't know if that exists anymore where they were just kind of just off the dome. And I mean, it was really cool. I was like, I said, see, that's music right there. bro. No, you're running through auto tune. You can't do that in a cipher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, like, I mean, I've told you sometimes um, your, your show is kind of the soundtrack to me mowing. Yeah. And I know that you, you say you got, uh, I guess your audience didn't like the dance hall uh, episode too much. Yeah. I loved it. I was out trimming. Boy, yo, they's dropping them. Oh man, I was like, yo. I appreciate my wife that. looking at me. I'm like, I look like an idiot back there. I'm like, dancing around. <laughs> I, I would have liked to seen that one. Uh, bro, yeah, I do it all the time. Like, uh, like I'm on the mower, and she just, I, she, the one day she recorded me. She's like, you look like a complete fool. I was like, I don't care. I'm like, whatever. I have, I'm, I'm, like, I'm in my zone here. I'm just cutting the grass, and it's, it's all good. So, but. uh so, Kevin, man, it's been fun, brother. Uh, drop all the uh, where people can find you, your content and all that. I don't make content. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. I mean, I mean, you, you must no. learn, I guess, it's content. Yeah, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those those words. I'm like, I kind of cringe when people use it too much. You know, you, you hear somebody yeah. say it five times in 20 minutes. Like, all right, dude, I get it. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I just, everything's under my name. Um, not, I, I don't really, I'm not one of those alt account kind of people. Uh, so it's just at kevin.m.cormier or Cormier if you're Canadian. <laughs> um, and then they, they said that you must learn show if you want to uh, check that out, uh, links in the bio and all that stuff. Um, but this, no, this is great to talk to both of you at once. Cause I'm usually DM of you, you know, yeah. one at a time. Yeah. So to have the, the three of us together is cool. And Tony didn't call me a prick this time. <laughs> not yet not yet oh be, uh real quick did you ever did you ever use cards at all to to when you were teaching or anything with the kids like anything like that i, I did break. once um back in 2007 i um so i don't know if you remember when bing came out yeah um and they were they were in, offering these like insane like 30 percent cash back deals on buying if you like you searched for something through them so i bought five cases of um 2007 Bowman Chrome draft and for like almost I mean I basically almost gone for free after the after mm -hmm. the way they were going so um we were doing uh, ratios and unit rates in my seventh grade math I was, I was teaching seventh and eighth at the time my seventh grade math class and so I taught them about um predictive packed odds and probabilities so I said okay so like you know so this blue refractor is supposed to hit one every 12 packs I'm going to get this many packs how many of these should I expect to get? And then, so the kid, and then I said, and then now realize that there are variances like in production. So it's not guaranteed, but it's a good estimation. So I had a bunch of kids like predict what I was going to get. So when I, when I ripped the cases and told them, oh yeah, you got these, you know, you got 10, right. You got seven, right. You know, whatever. Um, so that's, that's the only time I ever really brought it in, but it was a lot of fun to do that because then you bring them in, you show them to the kids and they were sure. like, oh, okay, I get it. But uh, yeah. 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 It'd like be good if uh, little Jimmy opens up a pack and hits the the, you know, the super rookie. Everybody <laughs> chases. Uh, uh, son, we're just gonna. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're just gonna. <laughs> this, this is. Uh, we'll we'll teach you another lesson about this guy. We're just gonna slide that into teacher's uh, drawer over here for a little bit, and uh, <laughs> you just go off off to recess there, son. And uh, when you come back, I'll be gone because he just you know cracked open a ten thousand dollar bill for yeah. me. So, uh, so listen, hey, Kevin, brother, any, you, any uh, MJ signed albums? I don't own a single Michael Jackson album. Oh, come on, bro. You're killing me, dog. You don't like Michael Jackson? Uh, here you No. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've always been a Prince guy. Hey, Ooh. I like Prince. No wrong with that. That is true. You picked up that nice Prince card at the National. I did. Yeah. Yeah, the three cards on my desk are all music cards. Like, I don't even keep the sports cards. Like, they're all elsewhere. But I've got uh, the Go-Go's. Right? I had a massive crush on Belinda Carlisle. I got the Prince. <laughs> and then I got um, there's a singer named Mike Patton, who's been in a bunch of different metal bands. Um, I'm actually going to see him tomorrow night with one of his bands. That's um, the, you know, again, it's like a 1991 rock card. It's like pop one because no one else would ever grade this card. <laughs> gotcha. Do you get into musical debates at all? Or is it kind of like, the, is is that not worth the time? I used to, because um, I, I used to be a super like indie snob. Um, okay. And now that I've gotten older, like I just don't, 
kind of care as much. Um, it's one of those things. It's like I, I've one of the 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 best things I've ever learned in my life is to just say, you know what, that's cool, but that's not for me. And I've it's been so much easier since then. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. so, like my niece is a huge Swifty. Like you know what, have fun. Instead of me saying, no, you should listen to Jenny Lewis. You should listen. To, you know what, listen to your Taylor Swift. You're, you're 14. Have fun. Enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I always try to. It, it, it's tough, especially you know, music. Is, yeah, it's, it's one be. of those things. Like some, you know, it's gonna touch somebody one way, and and somebody's gonna feel another way about it, and it's just you don't want to feel a certain type of way or, or make somebody feel bad, you know, especially like something like that. But there's people out there they just they just love to argue. Yeah, and it's like I'll be like, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> what? Yo, they're whack. Yo, you need to listen. And it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to argue emotion, right? You can argue with yeah. facts, but like, this is all really based on emotion. Yeah. And one of the things I found over the years, like with bands, it's like, if you didn't get in on them right away, which there's nothing wrong with that, whatever, you, whichever album you heard first is probably going to be your favorite, right? You're going to connect to the most, right? And yeah. so, and then going forward, you're going to hope that that band or artist makes that same album over and over and they don't because they evolve or whatever and then you get mad like you know yeah. that's when the debate starts like i think radiohead should keep making okay computer well they don't you know they want to they want to evolve right yeah. um yeah but yeah i'm glad that that's the album you heard but they're been playing for you know 35 years they want to do different things that's true and one more let's see now like music is popping in my um ready to die life after death oh ready to die yeah Okay. Life after death is so overrated. Really, I think it's over. It's bloated. You you could you could pick out eleven songs and have an absolute banger of a record, but you don't need a double album. There's actually um, there's a podcast. Uh, it's called The Questions, and so he has a series that he calls Making Illmatic because mm -hmm. Illmatic is basically like the perfect record, but it's ten songs. So what he'll do is he'll have some guests on. He'll take some album that's longer than ten and say we need to make this a ten album. 10 song album like pick the best 10 and they did it with with uh, life after death um i'll say like a year ago which is an interesting episode because i it's probably the 10 i would have picked i think nine of the 10 would have been on my list um but yeah it's just it's it's there's too much there yeah i, I think at the time like the double album was kind of like the thing and they were oh all absolutely kinda, yep they were all cranking them out so yeah, yeah it was like whatever and, and, and it's, you know, it's it was a puffy cash grab get it all out there sure. and yeah, you know because sure. it did on the on the billboard uh, charts it counts as two albums when you sell it and so you know if you sell two million you really sold four million yeah that, that whole thing there money 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 yeah. all right so, real quick off the top of your dome your top five rap top five so i i mean i've heard too many of them um so what i usually say is here's the top five that i think people should pay more attention to when they make okay. these lists one is ice cube mm -hmm. prime ice cube 91 93 era like there weren't many people touching him like, and he gets overlooked because of everything post that in the, you know, the movies and all that stuff. But like death certificate ice cube is legit in the conversation. Uh, I think Della funky homo sapiens should be talked about more. Uh, I don't think uh, anybody ever puts Bay area guys in these competitions and these, uh, these conversations and he should definitely be in there. Scarface, another one prime Scarface, I think is somebody who um, absolutely gets completely overlooked. Um, then I think Drez from Black Sheep. I think the problem is he only had the one big record, the one kind of big record, and kind of went away. But like verse for verse, like yeah. he was uber talented. That flow. Uh, so he kind of suffers from like that uh, Don Mattingly disease of he just, he just didn't play long <laughs> enough. Like yeah. you, you know, um, so no one you know. Um, and then what my fifth be? I got to go with, with the with the and the other thing about hip hop is like some of these people are still going right it's not like baseball or it's just like they retired so they're no longer a top five but like if you're still alive you're still sort of in the conversation mm -hmm. um but there's so it's a different measuring stick but there's a guy out of brooklyn actually he lives in atlanta now uh named sky zoo who uh i mean he's been around you know 10 12 years uh you know mostly indie stuff or whatever but like again you know storytelling just the the wordplay he has like you know he'll he'll never be in the sort of mainstream discussion, but it's like, if you're, you know, into it a, a level or two deeper, like he's, he's somebody that, that comes to mind as being like, Oh, he's, he's somebody that needs to be like in this, this echelon. Love it. 
Look at that. Look at that. You, you must learn. Must <laughs> learn, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yo, special shout out to our boy Kevin Cormier. We appreciate you hopping on board the Cousins Collectibles bus this week. Insightful as always, it was a blast, brother. So make sure you show my man Kev some love. Give him a follow on IG at Kevin.m.cormier and listen to his music show, You Must Learn. Thanks again, Kev, man, for real. You've been supporting the Cousins from the beginning, and we are forever grateful. Love you, bro. So if you like what you're hearing, give us a follow, rate, review, subscribe, and spread the Cousins gospel. And as always, keep focused, keep positive, and keep collecting. Ayo Tone, bring the beat back.